our Heaven Meets Earth event at Glad Tidings Church tomorrow night at 7. So I really encourage you guys all to be there. It's going to be awesome. We're really going to just dig deep into God's presence and just let his Holy Spirit do um, incredible things in our presence. So I just, I'm so glad you guys are all here. And so without further ado, here's Daniel. Awesome. Tonight's a huge night. Uh, I've been praying about this night specifically for many months. Uh, it's a night that we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that may be a new phrase for some of you, but I'm excited to dive in. Uh, yeah, so last week uh, we started this series called Heaven Meets Earth, which the whole idea of this series is that this campus could be invaded by heaven. That's the prayer, that on this campus we begin to see people get freed from addictions, that people would be healed from diseases, that people would come to know Jesus and that people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that's the idea behind the sermon series. And it's a little bit different than some of our other sermon series because we because we did part one last week, doing part two tonight, and then tomorrow night we're doing part three at Glad Tidings Church. Yeah, so tonight we're going to talk about the baptism, but I just want to go over last week's sermon real quick. Just throw it up on the screen. So a couple main points, and these are important points going into tonight's sermon. So the first point is this. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian in this room, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, dwelling inside of you. The power of God is in you. The second point is this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And I said we had two points, but there are four extra points connected to the second point. Who, let's go to A, helps us love and obey Jesus. B, teaches us and helps us to remember Jesus' commandments. And then also, the Holy Spirit is our helper who gives us peace and comfort. And then finally, the Holy Spirit is our helper who convicts us. And that all came out of John 14 through 16. And we looked at how the Holy Spirit helps us in day-to-day life. And now this week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to be his witnesses. That's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. It's all about being empowered to share the gospel with our friends. And if we detach those two purposes from each other, the baptism from the purpose of being empowered for witness, then we're doing it wrong. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a phenomenal experience, it's not about the experience, though. It's about what happens afterwards. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So I'm really excited to dive into this. And I believe that as a group, we all need to be pursuing this experience. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about something called tongues. And what is that? It's kind of crazy sounding. And, And we're going to really unpack that And people may think, speaking in tongues, that's kind of freaky, kind of scary. But I'm hoping tonight that going through the scripture and just bringing the scripture to you can help you to not be so scared. Because tongues is something that's beautiful and something that all of us should want. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be a controversial topic to some. Uh, Some people don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some people don't believe that speaking in tongues comes with the the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For me personally... I was in that same boat. I didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I didn't really believe in tongues. See, when I was in high school, I was involved in a very hyper-Pentecostal, charismatic church, uh, and oftentimes I saw the gift of tongues be abused in the church service. So all of a sudden, you have a crazy lady in the back going, da-da-da-da-da, in the middle of service. And I was just like, I don't know what that is, but I don't want it. And that was just the mentality I had. Uh, And really, I didn't really understand it. And that was the problem because no one had ever really shown me tongues in Scripture and showed me the baptism in Scripture. There was one time that my pastor mentioned it in passing. He said, dude, you got to get baptized in fire. And I said, what does that mean? He said, you speak in tongues. So I'm like, okay. And I just go, and just start 
blabbering off because I thought that's all I had to do is just speak in some gibberish. But I found out later, at fall retreat my freshman year, there's this guy named Dave Leadall who came and spoke. And some of you who have been around for a few years uh, or would know Dave, and he is probably one of the best people to explain the Baptist and the Holy Spirit that I've ever heard. And really tonight, we're going to rely on some of his notes or as we dive into this. But Dave got up there and he preached about it in such a way where it wasn't weird. Like it wasn't all about just this cool experience. It was about being empowered for mission. And tongues wasn't some weird thing that just super Christians do, but just for every Christian. And he really explained it in such a way that I went from being a skeptic. And actually it's funny because the Friday night at fall retreat, there was about five of us sitting around a bonfire and I didn't even know that Chi Alpha believed in tongues or believed in the baptism. And I was sitting around talking about, oh, tongues isn't for me. And I was just going off, being a zealous freshman, thinking I knew everything. It's like, and, and little did I know that Chi Alpha believed in that. And then the next day they start talking about it. I'm like, oh, I look like an idiot. Uh, but Dave explained it in such a way where it went from being some weird thing that, that you couldn't really attach to Scripture to being founded right in the Bible. And that's what we're going to do tonight, guys. I don't want to ever trick you into doing something. I don't want to manipulate you. Guys, I want you to look at the scripture and say, hey, that's for me. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So we're going to go through a few passages in Acts. But really, guys, we all need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And really, there's a few reasons why. So I know there's people in this room, and this is me included, or, or included who struggle with wanting more of Jesus, but not knowing how to get there. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a way to get closer to Jesus. There's some of you in this room, and you know who I'm talking to. Dude, you're a Christian, and you've you know, raised your hand and prayed, but for some reason, you just get stuck at one spot. You just can't seem to get closer to Jesus. And I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a catalyst to take you to another level in your intimacy with Christ. And there's some of us who struggle with praying. Guys, I struggle with praying. I talk about this quite often, actually. You know, I'll be praying, and then, boom, my Facebook thing goes off or my phone goes off and it's a Facebook notification. All of a sudden, I'm typing up a status or something. I'm like, oh, I was praying. And sometimes I struggle with or with what to pray for. You see, I have like a list and I go through these different prayers. And I'm like, oh, this is boring. God knows the prayers. I don't need to say anything else. But the cool thing about the prayer language is it helps us to pray. See, sometimes I don't know what to pray, so I just say, God, I'm just going to pray in this language you gave me. And then all of a sudden, start, or something starts to click. I start to feel connected to the heart of God. And it helps me to pray. And then I start praying better prayers in English, too. It's really cool. And then finally, I think or the other big reason that all of us need this filling of the Holy Spirit is a lot of us are timid Christians. And guys, I'm not pointing fingers. Sometimes I have an opportunity to share my faith, and I cower down in fear. Peter struggled with that. So tonight we're going to look at a guy named Peter who actually denied Jesus three times a guy who was called Satan by Jesus once because he said something stupid. I think we can all kind of, kind of relate with that. But Peter was baptized in the Holy Spirit and he was set on fire and he got up on a, got up on a rock, preached the gospel, and 3,000 people got saved that day. And I'm believing that there's people in this room who struggle with timidity, but God is going to light you on fire through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you're going to go from a timid man or woman to a bold man or woman. So tonight, I want to answer these two questions. First one is this, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So just kind of unpacking that. And then secondly, why do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I think we can begin answering this question in Acts 2, or these questions. So if you turn to Acts 2, if you have your Bibles, I'm just going to read through an awesome passage in there. 
Uh, but before we do that, I just want to explain a little bit more, give a little bit more background. So last week I talked about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And I made the point that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only given to certain people for certain occasions. So the Holy Spirit may have been given to a prophet or given to a priest or a king who needed the Holy Spirit in a specific situation. And the Holy Spirit like, really generally was pretty much only given to male leaders. But something incredible is prophesied in Joel 2. Joel 2, 28 through 29. I just want to read it quick. Something incredible was prophesied about a day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. This is what it says. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And this is powerful because this was a patriarchal society. And it says, even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. I don't think we quite understand the magnitude of those verses in a society where it's a class system. Boom, boom, boom. You go down the ladder. Servants are way down there. Women are down there. It's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on servants. I'm going to pour out my spirit on females. Old men are going to dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Powerful things are going to happen to all people. So guys, the Holy Spirit, first of all, if you're a Christian, he's residing inside of you. But even more so, the overflow experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every single person, not just for me, not just for ministers or pastors. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all of us. And I truly believe that tonight God's going to unleash something in you through the baptism. So let's look at uh, just one more verse. So Luke 3.16, well not just one more, we got a lot more. So Luke 3.16 says this, John answered them all. So this is John the Baptist. He says, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He's talking about Jesus. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So notice the difference. There's baptism in water, which is for repentance, for being made right with God. You know, before baptism, we give our hearts to God. And then baptism is a public proclamation of our repentance. And then a third thing, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where God baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And guys, I don't know about you, but when I look at that, I say, I want that. Come on, baptize in fire? What does that mean? I don't know, but it seems awesome. Come on. So Luke 24, verses 44 through 49, says this. And this is Jesus talking just before he's about to leave. It says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And this is really important here. Verse 48 says, or says, You are witnesses of these things. And then verse 49, he says, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city. He says, don't do anything yet until you're clothed with power from on high. So I believe Jesus is saying something to us. Don't do anything until you're baptized in fire. Because guys, we try to do this Christian walk on our own without the Holy Spirit overflowing in our lives. We're gonna keep falling, keep falling. And I'm not saying you're not gonna fall once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a huge misconception. Once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, everything's not perfect. But all of a sudden you begin to have this greater connection with God through a prayer language and you begin to have more power. I'm going to talk more about that. And then 
Acts 1, 4 through 8. So Jesus, so it's kind of interesting. So Luke and Acts are actually written by the same person. It's kind of like part one and part two of the same book. So he continues on in Acts 1 about this. This is right before Jesus is about to leave. Verse 4, he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them, so once again, to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they, or they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And this is a really pivotal verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So you receive power, and then he says this, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what did I say at the beginning? The Holy Spirit is connected to being a witness. So he says, you will receive power and then you'll be my witness. So now we're going to jump into Acts 2. So I had you turn there and then kind of tricked you because we had like five other verses. But now we're going to go in Acts 2. Let's read it together. When the day of Pentecost arrived, so they're waiting like Jesus told them to. They're obeying Jesus. Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven, just picture this scene, guys, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So notice wind, tongues of fire, that's what does that mean? There's a flame on their head. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So then they were filled and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So notice they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they spoke in other tongues. And then verse five says, now that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, because of Pentecost, it's a, or it's a yearly event, because of Pentecost, all the Jews had come to Jerusalem for a pilgrimage to celebrate. Verse six, and at this sound, the multitude came together. So picture people blabbing around in tongues, and all of a sudden a multitude comes together, and they were bewildered because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. And they were, and they were um, or amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that, or that we hear each of, his, each of us in his own native language? So they're saying, How are we hearing their languages? Or hearing our languages. So they're speaking other languages. So like, I don't know Spanish, but it'd be like if God filled me with the Holy Spirit and I just started speaking in Spanish, and then there was a Spanish man in here that said, wow, you're speaking my language. I didn't know you knew Spanish. And then I say, I don't know Spanish. God gave me that, or gave me that language. It's really powerful. And then verse 9 and 10 kind of talks about the different people that were there, and we'll skip down to verse 11. And it says at the end of verse 11, it says, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So they're speaking in tongues, speaking in other languages, and they're praising God through that. Verse 12, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. And I talked about Peter just a second ago. So Peter gets up, and he lifts up his voice and addresses them. He says, Men of Judea. So this man, just about 60 days before, 50 days before, had denied Jesus three times. He stands up in front of 3,000, well, more than that, thousands of people and says, Men of Judea and all who dwell 
in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. So he's saying, it's morning, guys. Come on, we're not drunk. Some people get drunk in the morning, but Peter's saying, that's not us. Guys, you know that. Come on, we don't do that. It's not tailgating here. Verse 16, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So he points back to Joel's prophecy that we talked about earlier. Verse 17, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So then Peter goes on, guys, we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but Peter goes on to preach the gospel. One thing I want to emphasize tonight, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the focus is on Jesus. The focus is on the gospel. We don't pursue Holy Spirit experiences so we can feel good inside and get a tingling feeling. Guys, we pursue those experiences so we can be empowered to preach the gospel. It all goes back to Jesus. I'll tell you one thing. If you're pursuing the baptism just for the baptism but not pursuing Jesus, you're probably not going to get filled as we need to pursue Jesus. So Peter brings it back to Jesus and preaches the gospel. An incredible sermon, probably the best sermon ever preached in history. And then at the end, 3,000 men and women get saved. It's an incredible day. The church grows from just a few hundred people to 3,000 more people in one day because the Holy Spirit baptized them. And that's why we're talking about tonight because I want to see this entire campus reached. And I don't believe we can reach this entire campus unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So now we're going to look at four other experiences. So, or so, you, or so you may be saying, okay, it's in Acts 2, but that's the only case. You can't really say that's for today. But the cool thing about, or about the author Luke is he continues to write about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you look throughout the book of Acts, he continues to point at different experiences where people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't only Jewish people. There's different types of people who were filled. He goes on and talks about Gentiles being filled, which is just, or just non-Jews. And then he talks about Ephesians being filled. It's really cool. So let's read a few of these passages. Acts 8. You guys, I'm sorry there's a ton of scripture tonight, but I believe it's really important before we pursue something to really have our mind connected to our heart. Because I don't want you guys to be up here like, oh, it sounds great, but not to really understand it. So that's why we're going through these verses. So it's a bit more packed tonight with scripture, but I think it'll be really valuable for you guys. So Acts 8, verses 14 through 19 says this. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So notice, it says they had been baptized in the name of Jesus, so they have been saved, but they hadn't yet received the power of the Holy Spirit. So look, verse 17 says, Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon, so Simon's this guy over here, so picture like, you know, we're having a great experience with God. Simon's actually a sorcerer, and, he, and he's sitting over here, and he notices something's going on. So let's read it. So now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. So he says, something cool is happening. I'll pay you for the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. It's a bad idea. Verse 19 says, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands uh, or may receive the Holy Spirit. So I just want to make a few points about this passage to really understand theology of the baptism. So the first point is this. This is an event that happened after salvation. So in verse 16 we see, For he had not yet fallen 
on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. So right there in verse 16, it happened after they'd become Christians. Verse 17 talks about how it was given through the laying on of hands. So when we pray for the baptism, we lay hands. And then final point is this, obvious outward signs. And I'm gonna guess that it was tongues because Simon noticed something was happening over there. And it could have been something else. It very well could have been. But based on the other passages we're gonna look at, I think they were speaking in tongues. He's like, what's going on over there? So, so obvious outward signs alludes to an Acts 2 type of experience. So Simon wanted to know what they had and he had to notice it somehow. So I'm gonna make the guess that it's tongues, but if that was the only instance I had, I probably wouldn't have this theology that yes, when you get baptized, you speak in tongues. But there's more passages that, that the author Luke shows us. So let's take a look at Acts 9. So this one's more kind of, this is one where you kind of have to infer because it just gives us a little bit of information, but we know from other passages, we can kind of fill in the gaps on Acts 9. So let's read this quick. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, so Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, had just gotten saved. So Jesus had just smacked him off his horse. This dude was killing Christians. Like, this was a terrible man. Jesus smacks him off his horse. And then, then this guy is sent to him to tell him about the Holy Spirit. So let's see. Brother Saul, who's Paul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight. So actually, God blinded him too, which is God, you know, sometimes he's kind of mean. He blinded him. I'm just kidding. So I'm not kidding, actually. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, he is a just God. Okay. And immediately, something like scales, but he's still good. Scales fell off his eyes. And he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Like you may be saying, okay, like what does like anything have to do with tongues there? So we see that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 18, this is Paul writing to a church. He says this. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Whenever I'm doubting, I say, Paul is probably the most powerful Christian who's ever existed, let's be honest. He wrote most of the Bible, or most of the New Testament. This man said, he spoke in tongues more than all of us. I wanna rise up and be like, Paul, you know what I'm saying? And I think we can connect that. In Acts 9, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And based on other passages, we see that oftentimes when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. So I'm guessing that at that at that moment when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he got that prayer language, okay? And we're going to talk about that a bit more tomorrow night too. So guys, you really want to come to both tonight and tomorrow because we're going to talk more about tongues. So Acts 10, 44 through 48 says this. This is another instance. Guys, it's all over Acts, okay? There's only two more, so don't worry. Acts 10, 44 through 48. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So Peter's preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit shows up. That'd be cool if right now I could just be done because you guys are all getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on, Listen, come on. I could just be like, I'm out of here. I'm going to beat-ups. No, I'm kidding. So <laughs> while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. So the Jews were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles, so poured out on the non-Jews. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God, which just means praising God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's powerful. The baptism, the baptism is not only for Jews, but it's also for Gentiles. So it's for each of us in this room who aren't Jews as well. So two points I want to make about this one. 
So this instance happened five to seven years after Acts 2. So it's still happening. So if it stopped in Acts 2, we probably wouldn't be talking about it today. But God continues to baptize believers in his Holy Spirit. And they continue to speak in tongues. Second point is this. And this one is really explicit. He says they spoke in tongues and praised God. So we see the direct connection. Baptize in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, praise God. And that's in verse 46. Okay, final one. And then we're going to get into some just real practical things. Acts 19, 1 through 6. And it happened that, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, so disciples, they're following Jesus, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he's talking about the baptism. Like we said, other passages do tell us that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of each Christian. But he's saying, did you receive the power of the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna, guys, you don't have to answer this, but Christians growing up in this room, some of you grew up in church and you never heard of the Holy Spirit, let's be honest. That's why we talk about the Holy Spirit, because he's really important. So I'm asking you the question today, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? Let's go on. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay, baptized in the name of Jesus. And then Paul lays his hands on them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So a couple points on this one. This happens over 20 years after Acts 2. So it's still happening. The next point is it happens after salvation. So once again, we see a distinction. They're baptized in, or in the name of Jesus and then they have hands laid on them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why we believe that, guys, when you raise your hand and pray that prayer and put your faith in Christ, it's a powerful experience where the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. But there is a second experience where the Holy Spirit is an overflow in your life. And the final point is accompanied by tongues and prophecy. So we see, once again, tongues. That's the common thread. In Acts 2, it's obvious. They, or it says they speak in tongues. In Acts 8, Simon, sitting over here, is like, something's going on over there, and I want that. I think it was probably tongues. Acts 9, we see Paul is baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then later says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Acts 10, explicitly, it says, or it says they spoke in tongues and extolled God. And finally, in Acts 19, it says they speak in tongues and prophecy. And I don't want to just limit it to tongues, because I believe that God also wants to give us other gifts. So we're not focused on tongues. We're focused on Jesus, first and foremost. And he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, and then he gives us abilities, like speaking in tongues or maybe prophecy as well. But I believe that the consistent physical evidence of the baptism of the Spirit, something that you can hold on to and say, I know I've been baptized because God gives you a prayer language. So I just want to make a few points tonight just to sum it up. First point is this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is an experience subsequent, so after salvation, that is available to all believers. And like I said, I just went through this. We see this in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 19, and then we can see it implied in Acts 10. So Acts 10, actually, it's a little bit different because Peter's preaching and also the Holy Spirit just comes upon. So that's not as clear cut. But we see in four passages for sure where we're seeing the Holy Spirit came after salvation. And I can't emphasize this enough. This is why we established it last week. All Christians have the Holy Spirit, but this is an overflow experience. So let's just look at a couple verses that explain that again from Acts 8, 15 through 17. It says, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. 
for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So if you remember a few weeks ago, there's a guest speaker, an awesome guy named Dick Schroeder. He spoke at all three of our, well not, are all three of our state colleges. So yeah, he was awesome at Iowa State too. Uh, and, and this guy, he talked about the baptism in the spirit and he had a really cool illustration. So I'm just gonna steal it. I'm not gonna get the Coke because I don't wanna spend $1.50 or whatever, but he shakes it up and he opens it up and all of a sudden starts to fizz, if you remember that. He got it all over the carpet. And the point was, so the Coke is in the bottle, okay? The Holy Spirit is inside of us. And he shook it up and opened it up and it fizzed out. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not like, oh, like you don't have the Holy Spirit and now you do. No, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. But when God baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, it's an overflow experience like Coke fizzing out of the bottle. It's where the Holy Spirit takes over more of your life and you give him more room to take control. So I don't want anyone in this room who's a follower of Jesus to doubt if you have the Holy Spirit. That's not my intention. And that's why we established that last week. But I want you to desire more. I want you to be hungry for more of God's work in your life. Second point is this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is given when we desire greater intimacy with Jesus and want to make him known. It's important to understand that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And it comes when we want more of him and want to be powerful, powerful, bold witnesses of his work. If we're focused on having that experience, it ain't going to happen, to be honest with you. If you come up to the altar, you're hungry and say, Jesus, I want more of you, he's going to fill you. Actually, so Jason, if you raise your hand right there, this guy is awesome. He's from the U of M. So last year, me and him were co-leaders in a small group. It was a sweet small group, just cool things happen. And, and one of the coolest experiences I ever had happened at our fall retreat at the U of M. There's a guy in our small group who, so, or a guy who, like, so me and Jason just believed in him. He grew up in church, but never heard of this stuff. And I was just believing that God would do something in his heart for the baptism because we wanted him to be a leader for God's kingdom. During fall retreat, he comes up to me to pray and he just gets up there. He just starts going, Jesus, I want more of you. Jesus, I want more of you. He's just all about Jesus. Boom, baptized. It just it didn't even take anything because he wanted Jesus. It was, you know, just a little freshman. It was the cutest thing I ever saw. He said, I want more of Jesus. And he talks like, he's a big guy, big old guy, you know? He talks like this. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you. And then Jesus just, boom, fills them. It was powerful, guys. That's the kind of heart we have to have, that childlike faith, saying, Jesus, I just want more of you. It's not about, it's not about getting to varsity Christianity, and we're going to talk about that. The baptism doesn't make you a superior Christian. It's not about that. It's not about getting the next achievement on this line of Christianity. No, it's about hungering for more of God and saying, Jesus, I just want to know your heart. Jesus, I want to be able to tell my friends about you, and I'm scared. Can you help me? That's, that's when the baptism happens. I'm going to jump down to the third point, Scott, so I'm skipping some stuff. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is the third point, empowers us for witness. Acts 1.8 says this, but you, or, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So like I said earlier, Jesus explains it explicitly. He says, you need to wait so you can have power to be my witnesses. That's why we want the baptism in the Spirit. We need to focus on that. Guys, I want this room to be too small for us because so many people are getting saved 
because there's so many of you who are filled with the Holy Spirit and telling your friends about Jesus. Acts 4.31 says this, and when they had prayed, so this is interesting actually, because this is the same group from Acts 2. Something I wanna establish is the baptism in the Spirit is not just one experience, and then you say, oh, it happened back then. Baptism in the Spirit is something that can continue to happen in your life. I think I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit dozens of times, to be honest, where God just does a new thing. He fills me with boldness again. So let's read this. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Come on, Holy Spirit, shake this room. Seriously, that'd be cool. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Could we be bold Christians who are filled with the Spirit? That's why we want the baptism, to be bold, to be hungry for God, to get closer to him, and to be able to go out and just have it be an overflow. I just gotta tell my friends about Jesus. I just gotta tell them, because God's doing something incredible in my heart. Like I said, the baptism is not about us becoming a varsity Christian or superior Christian. It's about God unleashing the person who you were destined to be. God has a destiny for you. And I believe the baptism is something that can unleash that person from inside of you. Unleash that spirit man or woman that God has called you to be. And this leads me to my next point. The baptism in the spirit does not make you a superior Christian. It says in James, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's why you want it. It's the wrong reason. It doesn't make you a superior Christian, but it makes you a better you. It's not about competing with anybody else. In this place, there's no deck of who's here, who's here, who's here. No, we're all Christians who love Jesus and we're just pursuing God. And some of us maybe don't love Jesus, but you're still part of this group too. We're all in the same boat, sinful before God. We've all fallen short of his glory. We're just trying to figure things out. And guys, if you've been baptized that prideful attitude has no place because baptism doesn't make you superior to anyone. Actually, Billy Graham didn't believe in speaking tongues. And that man's way more powerful than I am, okay? So I'm just saying, if, if the baptism is supposed to make me superior to him, that ain't happening. Billy Graham's a powerful man of God. There are many powerful men and women of God who, have, who don't believe in this experience. And maybe they experienced it, but as far as I know, they don't believe in it, but they're still powerful. But that's the whole thing. I believe that if Billy Graham or some of these other great pastors who I love were baptized in the Spirit, they would just be even more powerful. They could become even more who they were called to be. And I'm not saying they're not who they're called to be. I'm just saying it's not about us competing with anybody. It's about us focusing, God, I just want more of you. And there's things in my life that are in the way. Can you help me to become that person that I was destined to be? And like I said earlier, Peter's transformation is a perfect example of this. Peter was a timid man. He tries to tell or tell Jesus off in one instance, and Jesus calls him Satan. He looks like an idiot. And then a few chapters later, a girl comes up and says, hey, hey, you were with Jesus. And he says, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I'm scared of a little girl. And this is the man who stood up and preached the greatest sermon that the world has ever seen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit unleashed something inside of Peter. Tonight, God's calling us all to a heart check. Why do you want the baptism? Is it to get the next step in Christianity or is it to be who God has destined you to be not comparing yourself to anybody else so we're not looking around saying oh do I have it who has it 
Let's do a raise of hands. Who has in this group? No, we're not doing that. It's not about that. It's about becoming who God destined you to be. The final thing is this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is accompanied by the ability to speak in a supernatural language and possibly other gifts. So I want to make clear, we don't base this theology off of our experience. We base it off Scripture. If Scripture said that, or said this wasn't true, then we wouldn't be teaching it. But Scripture is clear. There's a pattern. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 19. When people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, a prayer language follows. So I already went through all five passages, so I'm not going to do that. But there's a common thread. And it's important to understand there's other texts that talk about Say, speaking in tongues is not for everybody. And that's actually in 1 Corinthians, the same passage that Paul is talking about, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And, and some of us would read that and say, oh, it must not be for me then. But it's important to, or it's important to understand the context of what Paul is talking about. And tomorrow night, that's actually what we're going to devote the night to, is really unpacking the differences between public tongues and private tongues. So I believe that God has a private prayer language for each of us. Paul doesn't prohibit that. He says, speak in tongues between you and God. And it's something, or something in the Bible, we see a whole group of people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not like some of us are speaking in tongues and some aren't. It says they are all speaking in tongues and extolling God. So there's a private tongue, there's a private prayer language to help us pray. Then there's something else called the public spiritual gift of tongues where someone stands up and speaks in tongues in a service. And if that's where it stops, that's out of bounds biblically. Because that's just confusing. If, if during our worship today, someone started doing that and nothing else happened, People be confused. But there is a really cool thing where someone can interpret it in English. So someone stands up back there and speaks in tongues, and then we wait. Say, God, what do you have to say? Then someone else gets up and interprets it and speaks for God. It's a powerful thing. I've never done that. I speak in tongues all the time privately. I've never done the public speaking of tongues. And I'm not saying I never will, but I think that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about in public, speaking in tongues is not for everybody. And he actually limits it. He says, Two or three people at most speak in tongues and, and make sure there's interpretation. But he doesn't prohibit the private tongue. And we will look at that more tomorrow, but I wanted to preview that for those of you who won't be here because I know that's a common misconception that, oh, Paul prohibits it. It's important to understand the context, okay, guys? So I'm gonna cover a few more things. Yeah, so I was thinking today of how to explain tongues because sometimes we think, Oh, tongues is some requirement to be baptized. No, it's important to understand we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and then we speak in tongues. It's not, oh, I'm gonna start speaking in tongues so God will baptize me. That's wrong. Just like an athlete gets a signing bonus, that's kind of what it's like with tongues. And it's not like God's signing you to contract. But I just wanna, just play with me here. So God, okay, so just like an, okay, so an athlete gets a salary, but then he gets a signing bonus. So for us, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's just a bonus. And if you're viewing tongues as some necessary evil, that's the wrong way to think about it. It isn't, Okay, it is a little weird. It's a bit weird. But once you understand it, it's incredible. It's the most powerful experience that has ever happened in my life. Maybe next to my wedding, the most powerful experience. So it's my getting saved is the top thing for me. Then my wedding, speaking in tongues, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit are the three things most powerful in my life. I remember it was on a Saturday morning. It was October 1st, 2011. God filled me with this Holy Spirit began to speak out in this tongue. It sounded weird to me, but it was beautiful. I couldn't do anything but just drop to my knees. And I spoke in that language for like three hours that day. And then that night I went to a concert 
It's actually, I went to a concert with Emily before we were dating. A couple other friends from Kyle were there. It's a secular concert. And, and we're singing the songs. I'm speaking in tongues at this concert. I'm just going off. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Fire fall down. Let's go. Like, at this concert. So it's beautiful, guys. It's beautiful. It's not a necessary evil. And if, if tonight, if some of these things, you're, you're skeptical of it, I just challenge you, give it to God and see what he wants to do. Give it to him. Because he wants to baptize you. He wants to give you a prayer language. Praying in your spiritual language is just something to bring you closer to Jesus. It's not some weird requirement. The worship team would come up. And also the prayer team too. I keep forgetting about you guys. We have a prayer team over here. And tonight is a really good night to get prayer. So if you guys want to come up here and get prayer at the end, I think that'd be great. Something important to understand, though, as I've talked a lot about tongues, it's not about tongues, though. Like I said earlier, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a result of pursuing Jesus. If you just want to be able to speak in tongues, I don't know if he'll baptize you. It's about desiring more of Jesus. So first and foremost, before we even pursue the baptism, I want to ask you, how are you doing with Jesus? Because if you're not in right relationship with him, or if you have unconfessed sin in your life, or you're holding bitterness towards your friend, Jesus says, if you don't forgive your friends, I'm not going to forgive you. If there's something like that going on, first we need to confess and say, God, I screwed up. You know, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was actually addicted to pornography for the six years up until that day. And the Friday night before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, God spoke to me and said, and said you need to give this to me. You need to give pornography to me. And I had a group of guys and Kyle come around me and pray for me. And I repented like I never repented before when it came to pornography. So I took care of that on Friday night. My heart was just, just ready to receive from God the next day because that barrier was just removed. And tonight, as we prepare for tomorrow, tonight I challenge you guys, let's get our hearts right. I hope some of you are hungry for the baptism and I hope that you pursue that. But tonight, let's just focus on being ready for tomorrow, okay? And I pray that some of you would get baptized even tonight. But let's talk to Jesus. Let's say, Jesus, what do you, God, what's in my life that I need to give up to you? And I believe that in that repentance and confession, God can baptize you like that at the same time. But let's make sure that our hearts are right. Let's make sure that nothing is separating us from God. If you are mad at someone in this room, go to them and forgive them. Own your part. Guys, if you're mad at your parents, if you're holding bitterness to them, call them up. Say, I forgive you, Dad. Because our hearts need to be ready to receive. I want tomorrow night to be a powerful experience where everyone comes and there's nothing holding you back because you've gotten right with Jesus tonight. Each of us in this room are at different places in our journey. So there's some of us in this room who you've never put your faith in Jesus and we're talking about tongues. I don't even know what that is. Sounds weird, but I don't know what it is. And you're like, dude, I need to get right with Jesus before that. So like I said, Let's get right with Jesus first. That's the most important thing. This baptism experience is a powerful thing that I want for each of you. But beyond that, what's more important is that your heart is right with God. So if you're in this room and tonight you want to put your faith in Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity for that. 
there's some sin that's been separating you, we're gonna give you an opportunity. Then there's some other, there are some other people in this room who you put your faith in Jesus, but you've either never heard of this experience or you've just never experienced it before. And you may be kind of hungry for it. You may think it seems kind of cool, but you're still a little scared. You're a little, you're just a little weirded out by it and you just don't know at this point. My encouragement to you is God would never want to give you a gift or promise, promise you a gift that is meant to harm you or meant to make you into someone that he hasn't destined you to be. But God wants to help you to overcome the sin in your life, to draw closer to Jesus and to be sent on mission to bring the gospel to your friends. That's why God wants to give you that. So just breathe, breathe. It's not meant to scare you. It's not meant to be weird. And just give it to God and say, God, I'm gonna trust you. I may not know what this is. This may be the first time I heard of it, but it says it in the Bible and I want some of that. Just give it to Jesus. And then there's some more of us in this room who you've tried to experience the baptism. You've went up front. You know, a few weeks ago, we had an opportunity. Maybe you came up front and you didn't receive. What Satan wants to do is tell you, that's not for you. God doesn't want to give you that. He wants to say that you're unworthy. That's all from Satan. God wants to say, I have a sovereign time when I'm going to baptize you in the spirit and be patient, wait on me. Our district youth director in Iowa, so he's in charge of all the youth groups and the assemblies of God. He tried to get the baptism, but it didn't happen. And then the next day he was baptized in his shower. So he started speaking in tongues in his shower. The guy right behind me, Matt McClellan, I can remember my freshman year talking with him on a ride home from a church that or that the band played at. And he told me this story about how when he was at Bible college, someone prayed for him to receive it and they were yelling in his ear and pressuring him and, and, and manipulating him. And he didn't receive it and how he was kind of angry about that. And he didn't know if he really wanted the baptism. And you know, like that was an emotional conversation. Like me and Matt prayed together. And then the next year at fall retreat, Matt said, God, I'm gonna give you another opportunity to give me this experience. I can still remember it's the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. As someone who actually had, I believe it was multiple times to try to receive it, comes up to the front, praying for the baptism. He's right on this side of the stage and God baptizes him and he wept for an hour as God did something that he wanted so desperately, but it was just in God's timing. So if you've tried to experience this before or have asked God to give it to you, it's not over I think most of us in this room are between 18 and 22. You still got some time, hopefully. God may have another plan. And finally, there's people in this room who have been baptized, but you ain't feeling the fire anymore. And God wants to do it again. That's all I got to say about that. Don't settle for some experience five years ago and say, all right, that's good. I don't want more of Jesus now. Continue to ask for the baptism. So if you guys would stand with me. The point tonight is we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is a gift from Jesus that all of us need. When Jesus left this earth, he didn't leave us empty-handed. He said, I am gonna send you a helper. He said, I'm gonna give you power. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. That promise is for us today. He's not leaving us empty-handed. We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need that power. We know it. Some of you are in this room are addicted to pornography and you need something to help you to get past that. 
Some of you are so scared to share your faith with your friends. The Spirit of God can rush upon you and give you boldness like you've never had before and make you into another man or woman. Can we, can we be a hungry people? Can we, can we be a people who says, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. I'm not going to let my own insecurities or, or my own fears get in the way of what you want to do in my life. Let's be open-handed people that say, God, give me whatever, give me whatever you have for me. And this all comes back to the series, Heaven Meets Earth. I believe that until a group of students on this campus lay down their pride, lay down their insecurities, and say, Jesus, I want the power from on high. I believe until, until we have a group of people who do that, this campus will not be reached. We'll continue to have only six to 800 students connected in our campus ministries out of 12,000 students. That will be the number we stay at. But I believe when there's a group of students who say, Jesus, I want anything you can give me to have more power. I believe when that group of students rises up, that generation says, I'm done being scared. I want to be everything God has for me. When that group rises up, this campus will be reached. But until then, Jesus says, keep waiting for the power from on high. Because if you don't have the baptism, then you ain't going to reach no campus. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need it, guys. It's not weird. It's a beautiful experience, and I want each of you to experience it. So tonight, I just want to take this time to just worship Jesus, and I want you to let that hunger stir up in your heart. If there's any unconfessed sin, if there's things you're hiding from Jesus, let's get that out there tonight. And then tomorrow, I want you to come hungry for God to do the impossible in your life. But if tonight, if you want to receive it, I'm here to pray with you. My wife's here to pray with you. Anybody who's a student leader, or anybody in this room is here to pray with you who's a Christian. Let's just bow our heads.